Hi, this is Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, telling you to stay tuned to WNJC 1360 AM for Thursday in the Doghouse, coming right up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thursday in the Doghouse. I'm your host, Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. I can honestly tell you that my radio program is the most educational talk show about dogs in the South Jersey area. If you become a regular listener, you'll also become a very well-educated, well-informed pet parent to your canine companion. As many of you already know, I interview other professionals in the field, including veterinarians, nutrition specialists, other trainers and behavior consultants, as well as people who work hard helping rescue dogs find their forever homes. I also like to talk about specific breeds of dogs, so you'll gain some knowledge about their behavioral and physical characteristics of various breeds and mixes of breeds. Today, I'm going to talk with Nancy Weller. Nancy is from Saratoga, California. She is an honors graduate of the San Francisco Academy for Dog Trainers. She's a certified pet dog trainer and a professional member of both the Association of Pet Dog Trainers and the South Bay Trainers. Nancy is an owner, breeder, handler, and groomer of the, of the Bijan Frise. She's lived with Bijan Frises for almost 20 years. After working with clients and their various breeds of show dogs, she entered the show dog world herself with her third Bijan. She did this to prove a dog can become a champion using completely positive training methods. She's gone on to carefully breed and socialize a litter of healthy, happy puppies. We'll talk to Nancy in just a moment, but please let me tell you what services I offer as a professional dog trainer and certified dog behavior consultant in the South Jersey area. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for visiting with us in the doghouse this morning. Good morning, Rini. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, we're going to talk about the Bijan Frise this morning. Obviously, you fell in love with this breed, but what attracted you to them? I think it was their delightful, happy personality. I um, 
babysat for one of my boss's dogs, who was a Bichon Frise, and totally fell in love with her. Okay. So you you then did what? You um, you started to show them. You. I also understand you're a groomer. Um, yeah, I moved um, to California, and I had some time, so I got a, a couple of Bichons and um, started learning more about them and training them and eventually became a trainer um, through my love of training them. Uh-huh, okay. But, yeah, I learned how to groom them and all that. And I did that for several years with my, my two first Bichons, and then I got a third one and decided I was going to try and show it to do some more positive training for show dogs. Had you been in the show world before? Were you breeding show? I mean, I'm sorry. Were you uh, like a professional groomer for show dogs before? No, not at all. I just did my own dogs because I did not want to send them to a grooming salon. And then when I got the show dog, I learned how to groom her by working with um, my breeder and a couple other breeders who helped me and mentored me and showed me how to do that. Mm -hmm. I did not work with... Um, other show dogs for grooming or anything like that. I'm not a professional groomer. I just did the Bichons. I see. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So so um, so you you fell in love with them and you started to train them. Did you have a particularly challenging dog dog that got you into professionally training them, or you were just training your own? Oh, I was just training my own. I. Um, because I wasn't. I didn't quite hear your question. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just wanted to kind of find out how you really got into training. Whether you were training just your own, or were you just were you training uh, other dogs too? Okay, I was just training them, and I really enjoyed it. I was actually a corporate administrator, and I started doing volunteer work with a couple local shelters. Okay. And I was assisting a couple gals teaching and then became a trainer and taught a round of classes for the Peninsula Humane Society. And then I decided that I wanted to learn more and do it right. And so I went through the Academy for Dog Trainers in San Francisco. And when I came out, I opened my own business. That was about 10 years ago. And I've never looked back. Isn't that wonderful? And I started training, teaching puppy classes and doing private training. Wonderful. So you're like me. We have a lot in common as far as our method is concerned. We like to use only positive-based methods. Um, and is that what the San Francisco Academy taught? Uh, yes, absolutely. That was all. That's pretty much all they taught. And when I first went into it, as you know, I'm sure, 10 years ago, the, it was not as prevalent, the positive training, as it is now. Right. It's, it's very nice to be surrounded by so much positive so many positive trainers and owners that actually choose to use those methods now and are, you know, not using the old ways of doing things. Right, right. Um, and when I when I do uh, work with Bichons or any other small dog, it makes my skin crawl. When I go into the home and I see that they have a choke collar on them and um, I do everything I possibly can to talk to people about, you know, little dogs especially shouldn't have a collar like that on at all. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Bichons as, as far as their breed is concerned. Are, is this a very energetic breed of dog that needs a tons and tons of exercise? They don't really need a ton of exercise. A walk a day is probably sufficient. They, they do kind of, I'd say, self-exercise. They do this little thing that Bichon people call the Bichon Blitz, <laughs> and that is they'll tear around like crazy, like up on the couch and off the couch and around the room and 
around the yard, up on the deck, through the garden, around the pool, and they'll do that several times, and then they'll stop. <laughs> and uh, a lot of dogs are crepuscular, which means they, they're more active at dusk and at dawn. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of dogs will exhibit those sorts of bursts of energy at those times of day. Mm-hmm. But okay. many owners refer to the to that is the zoomies. Yes. And with the Bichon, um, the Bichon's racing around. It just looks like a blizzard of white flying. <laughs> that's the term Bichon blitz. <laughs> and so they can exercise themselves that way. Yeah. That doesn't get anybody yeah. upset. I, I wouldn't imagine it would. I think it's cute. Yeah, they like to play tug. You know, they like toys. They get very excited when their owners come home or when they're greeting new people, or they should anyway when they're greeting new people. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, they're not, you know, field dogs by any stretch of the imagination. Right. They weren't bred to to really be working dogs. Right. Although I, when I was doing a little bit of research, and the way they created this particular breed was to mix a, uh, a type of spaniel into them um, yes. to get the Bichon, yes. but yet they don't have hunting instincts like a yes. hunting dog. Bar- Barbet Water Spaniel, and that's a long time ago, and Bichon, but they were um, selected for being lap dogs or being um, entertaining and just being company. Mm-hmm. And they are. You know, yep. most of the Bichons that I've met have been adorable. Yeah, they should be. Otherwise, they're probably not very well bred. They're, they really should have great personalities. Mm-hmm. They do. Happy, happy dogs. Are they good uh, family dogs? Are they very good with uh, small children, especially? Good with small children. I think if they're socialized to them well when they're younger, um, you know, when they're puppies, if they're socialized well to children, then they will like children. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest challenge, I think, with small dogs, especially in children, is preventing the children from treating them like stuffed toys. Yeah, Where the kids, you know, pick them up, squeeze them, and hug them, Mm -hmm. and they get tired of that. Yeah, sure they do. Like we would, too, if somebody ten times our size kept picking us up. Right. One of the things that I always do when I go into a new home, regardless of the dog, is to teach people to recognize certain stress uh, signals that dogs will do with using their body language. And many of the pictures that I show them have uh, pictures of uh, dogs being hugged by children, and you can see clearly the, the stressed-out faces um, when when people and children are doing that because dogs don't like to be hugged. It's not it's not part of their uh, their body language. It's not something that they do with one another. At least if they're being friendly toward one another. Yep. You know. Even if they love you, you know. I I, sh- I have a contractor working at my house, and I sh- we were talking about just this thing, just this thing, and I picked. My dog up to show him, and I pulled her in close to my face, and sure enough, she turned her head away. Yeah, see that? So we, we, you know, even we're not perfect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you know we do we forget uh, that we're not uh, communicating with another human, and that's really important um, with all dogs. But I think particularly the small dog. Uh, has to be handled uh, just a little bit differently and uh, treated and respected a little bit differently um, because they they get irritated uh, with us and with kids and things like that quicker. Um, are, are, do they have any specific behavioral problems that you're aware of that people should be aware of? No. Not at no. all? Not really at all. Not. You know, not if they're well socialized. Well-trained, well-adjusted dogs. I don't think you know any dog won't, would not have. Mm-hmm. Not specific um, they, they to the breed. They don't tend to be shy. They don't tend to be uh, aggressive or overbearing. Right. No. Okay. Um, jumping up, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, as all dogs will, if, um, yeah. unless they're trained not to do that. Yeah. 
What about house training? Do you uh, do you find that this particular breed might be more challenging to house train or not? I hear that um, over and over again, and I don't buy into it. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge is getting the owners to limit their puppy's freedom in the house mm-hmm. before they've house trained them. Mm-hmm. And they will. I've heard people say they're hard to house train, and so I think people use that as an excuse. Mm-hmm to not do their job in house training them. And they mo- can most definitely be house trained because I've done it with mine. Right, um, right. Owners just need to be diligent. They need to make sure they get the dog to where they want it to potty. They need to reward that mm-hmm. right there as right. soon as the dog gets done going, not wait till they get in the house. Right. And um, just don't ever let the dog have access to places in the house where you don't want them to go until they're trained. Mm-hmm. Because they'll get that habit of going in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. They'll establish, you know, several toilets in the house for themselves if you don't watch them. Right. And s- specifically with a small breed, I mean, people have to understand that they have the bladder the size of a little pea. Um, so how much can they hold uh, without getting a break very, very often? Um, and they have a, uh, you know, all puppies have a sphincter muscle that is not well developed until some time goes by. And so they don't, they have to learn how to hold it in. Yeah, the brain-bladder connection isn't really totally there, I think, until around six months of age. Mm-hmm. So they could be playing and forget that they had to go yeah, to the bathroom of course. and just stop and go. It's the distraction factor. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, are there any challenges in grooming them? Do they mat up? Do you, Are there any kind, uh, you know, do, do people, um, should people figure on having any difficulty with it when they groom them? Yeah, that people do not realize how much um, easily how easily they can mat. And so when people get Bichons, they see the fluffy little thing that they saw on TV, and they think that's how they're going to look all the time. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if they want them to look like that, they need to comb them right down to the skin. You know, mm-hmm. just comb right through that hair and bring it up. Mm-hmm. And most people will say, "Well, I brush them every day," but then the brush doesn't get down to the skin. Right. The Bichons have are double coated, and so they have a soft coat and they have a wiry coat. Mm-hmm. And when the wire coat comes in, when they're a little bit older, it'll twist with a soft coat. And so they have to make sure that they uh, brush, comb them out really well every couple of days to make sure that doesn't mat. Okay. Well, is it beneficial if people with this breed take them to a professional groomer? Yes, and they should take them not every six weeks, but more like every two or three weeks if they're not wow. going to do it themselves. Wow, right. They absolutely need to be kept mat-free because it becomes painful to try and remove them and then they have to shave them down. Mm-hmm. So very important to do that. And it can happen very quickly. You know, if you it gets away from you, you don't brush or comb for a few days, then they're going to start to form. And once they form, they get thicker especially if the hair is not clean. Mm-hmm. What about around the eyes? What is it? Uh, do they get the little red eye like Maltese do? Some of them do. Not all of them, but some of them do. And there's a lot of different thought as to why that happens. Some people attribute food. Some attribute uh, the water. Um, I really don't know myself what it is. Okay. In my litter, there is one that whose eyes do run more than the other ones do. And we don't know if it's where she lives, it is, is it allergies, does she have a hair at the tear duct. Um, but keeping the area clean helps tremendously so that it doesn't get that little yeast infection. Mm-hmm. So these on. are actually tear stains. Yeah, then that stains the eyes. Okay, right? all right. And is there a cleaner that you can use to get but, it off? 
Yeah, there's some different things on the market. There's um, Angel Eyes and Angel Glow. I think Angel Eyes may not have as much of the um, additives in it, but it, they wipe it and then they put a powder over it. Mm-hmm. So it's partly cosmetic and partly um, like medicinal. Uh-huh. Okay. But I've talked with the... Uh, eye doctor that I take my dogs to right? and you know they really don't know exactly what it is it can be caused from different reasons hmm. but most important is just to keep them clean and you can do that by wiping them every day right right um, when I did my research about the breed uh, I I saw that they do have some specific health issues um, and I, you know you mentioned that you take them to an eye doctor do your dogs um, have any eye problems because it says they are prone to watery eyes but they're also prone to cataracts which I wouldn't right. imagine would I, happen until they're the older the reason I took, take them in is to have their eyes um, tested for genetic disease to make sure that they don't have them oh great that is why I had them in there Was it's called a CERF surf exam uh, okay. and that tests for those sort of things and that's the kind of thing we do before we would even breed a dog. Mm-hmm. And then we also test the offspring, and that is done every year to make sure that it doesn't develop, that it doesn't show up, because this kind of thing can show up, you know, at five and six years of age. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't want to just do it once and think that you don't have that problem. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you don't. So are you, do you test each one of your puppies before yeah. it's sold? Yes, they've all been tested, and you t- and you continue to te- uh, to test your your breeding dogs to make sure that they're not passing it off. Exactly. Yeah. So, for instance, if the mom were to test with problems, then the offspring would not be um, used for breeding program. I see. Well, that's a good thing. That's very responsible on your end. Um, I wish other breeders were so responsible um, in checking them out. Um, we know that we can wind up with a lot of dogs with health, major health issues, because um, not every breeder of any dog is, is as responsible as you are. Right. Well, the breed is generally recognized as being healthy anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. they don't, there's a lot of breeds that have a predisposition to specific diseases, uh-huh. and you can't say that about the Bichon. There isn't any one thing you okay. know that is prevalent. As a matter of fact, cancer, which is one of the number one killers of dogs, mm-hmm. Um, is way down far on the list with Bichons. Oh, so their biggest issues are skin allergies. Yeah. Okay. I see here now. You may you might disagree with what I what I found, but they're they're talking about uh, possible predisposition toward dislocated kneecaps, epilepsy, and being very sensitive to flea bites. Um, um, flea bites would be the out. They're allergic to them, uh-huh. and so that that is a problem for people that live in areas where there are. You know, fleas are around all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You are right about the the knees. Okay. And that's another thing that we test for. Good. Knees, hips um, are both tested as well. Mm -hmm. You don't think of a little dog having epilepsy. I haven't run into that. Um, There is kind of a two-pronged thing. With the skin and the allergy, a lot of times doctors will prescribe prednisone. Oh. But later on down the road, you can then start having problems with metabolic diseases such yeah. as Cushing's and diabetes mm-hmm. and pancreas issues mm-hmm. um, because of er- earlier prolonged use of prednisone. Absolutely, dogs are younger, so absolutely, be really people should be really careful about uh, not just throwing prednisone at the dog every time 
a skin mm-hmm. um, hot spot or something erupts. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a very good uh, good. Yeah, statement. and I've been able to keep um, skin issues at bay, and I think primarily through the way I feed my dogs. Okay. Um, I do raw feeding, and my two previous Bichons had skin problems, hot spots. They weren't as well-bred as the ones I have now, but mm-hmm. they had a lot of issues with scratching and itching, and I'd take them in, and they'd get prednisone and, and, and so forth. And around seven years of age, I switched from the food I was feeding, which was processed, okay. to a um, just a food without grains in them. Mm-hmm. So I switched to, like, meat and vegetables. Okay. And using raw food, whether it was the, removing the grains from their food, food or whether it was the actual raw food, whichever, I never had any more skin problems with them. I think a lot of people who may be listening today might be thinking to themselves, what is she saying? Raw food? Ew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a, a diet out there, and I don't know if you subscribe to this exact diet, but there's a diet out there called a barf diet. It doesn't mean that they're barfing. It just means bones and raw food, and it's based on uh, people's beliefs or nutrition uh, beliefs that this is what dogs would eat in the wild anyway, and they're trying to duplicate that a bit. So everybody has their own opinions about this, and it can get quite controversial. So if you have any interest in that, just do some research and, and check it out. So tell us a little bit. Now, you, you are not, you haven't been breeding for years and years. You, you have had what, one litter now on the ground? Yes, one. And what's that been like for you? Have you, uh, have you had your challenges? Did you, were you perfectly uh, calm and uh, no anxieties about this when you did it? I don't know if I'd say that, <laughs> but I did um, a lot of homework about it, so that really prepared me, and I also had um, my breeder, who was very supportive, and got in her car and drove down to my house, um, which was two and a half hours away, mm-hmm. at four o'clock in the morning when my dog went into labor. <laughs> oh, God bless her. I had a lot of support. Um, I read a lot of things. I... Um, tried to do, you know, all the right stuff and so that I could be confident in what I was doing. That's great. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your litter. Okay. They were born a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, when they're born, they have the sense of touch and smell. And that's about it. Um, they, need some, you know, the stimulation and everything. So what I started doing right from the start was I put, you know, a collar around them. Not a collar, but like a piece of yarn for like a leash. So they got used to collars from day one. Wonderful. They had their nails clipped the second day. They had two visitors the second day of their life. By the time they were three weeks old, they had had about 30, met 30 new people. And this is what I did was I'd have, you know, people, they would smell them. Because, like I said, they have a sense of touch and smell. Okay, right. So they could smell and they could um, feel. Mm-hmm. So they could hold them. They could um, get used to that. I would burn different candles in the room. I would hold things under their nose. I don't know if this was good or bad, but that's what I did. And then there's a program called um, a biosensor program. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Um, and I did that with them from day four because they had their nails. They usually start on day three, but because they had their uh, dew claws removed on day three, I started it on day four because I figured 
having dew claw removal with enough stimulation. Yeah, really. But you do five different things to stimulate them, and the benefits of it are um, like improved cardiovascular performance, mm-hmm. um, stronger heartbeats, stronger adrenal glands, more tolerance to stress, and greater resistance to disease as they, you know, mature. Okay. Um, the things that you do with each one, and it's very, very brief so that you don't overstress the puppies, is you turn, you, you can take a Q-tip and touch in between their toes. Mm-hmm. You hold their head straight up, uh, like their whole body straight up. Mm-hmm. Then you tip them upside down very gently. Then you lay them in a flat position, and then you lay them on a cool washcloth. Wonderful. And so this stimulates them. Um, some of them squirmed, you know, some of them cried. And you do that for uh, a couple weeks. Um, How many times a day and for how long of a period are you working with them? You do it once a day and only um, a few, maybe about five seconds with each okay. um, Each thing that you do. All right. And it's only once a day, um, not more, because that would just be too much. Too much, us. right. And our, I, I believe from what I've read is that part of that is to teach them to deal with something frustrating, is that is that what you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It builds their tolerance to, and they are able to handle things better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. So that must have been interesting for you, doing it for the first time and getting good at it. Um, did you feel sorry for the puppies if they squirmed or squealed? Not really, because I knew the um, research behind it and the science behind it, and I knew this was good for them. Mm-hmm. And they were put right back down. I mean, they three to five seconds for each thing, and and they were done. Right, right. And then my husband videotaped a lot of that stuff, too, so I have all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. And right. I kept a litter log, so I had, you know, things every every day that we did with them. And I started clicker training them. I did clicker charging um, at about three weeks of age. Okay. We just started clicking and letting them lick uh, baby food off of our fingers. Wonderful. And at six weeks, we had a group of uh, local trainers um, there were 12 come over to the house, and we split up into teams of three, and each one took a puppy and clicker trained the puppy to do something, either sit or to stand, oh. and that was really a lot of fun. Wow. Because the six-week-old puppies are now doing all these uh, little things for their... How many puppies are in this litter? There were four. Four. And is that the average size, or do they usually run uh, larger litters? It depends. They can run four. They, I've known ones that have had, I know a dog that had eight. Uh-huh. So I think six maybe is typical. This mm-hmm. was um, my dog's first litter. Mm-hmm. Right. So, this is great. God, I wish you could spread yourself a lot of around fun. the it country. Took a lot, it took a lot of time because I, I spent a lot of time, you know, because I wanted to make sure I paid a lot of attention to them and did it right and, mm-hmm. you know, worked my schedule around the litter. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't that fortunate that they can do that. Right. Um, so these are going to be wonderful, wonderful puppies for people. They're already going to be socialized. They're already going to have been handled like crazy. They shouldn't be uh, upset if somebody touches them on their tail or on their paws. I mean, they're just they're just going to be wonderful puppies for people that you sell them to. Now, do yes, you? They've already gone to their homes. They're a year old now. Are they? Yes. Okay. And and do you follow them? Do you are you in contact with the the owners of these dogs just to yes, make sure? Yes, I am. Two of them live um, within 15 minutes of me, and the other one went back to my. One of them went to the mother's breeder. So okay. 
the okay. mother of the litter, uh-huh. her breeder has one of them. Okay. Who actually already has a, a point. I actually taught them all to stack. They were all evaluated as uh, show quality, so we're showing all, all four of them. Wonderful. And they, um, all stack, they were all stacking themselves and standing up, you know, for posing mm-hmm. before they left my house to go to their new homes. So you taught them to sit, though. I mean, I'm, from what I hear from the show people, when I get a show dog in any of my classes, I get strict instructions, do not teach this dog to sit because he has to learn to stack. Well, I find that if I teach them sit, down, and stand, then they learn the three different things, and they know the difference. Dogs Good. are, as you know, really discriminative, uh-huh. and so I try to explain that to people, that if you teach them multiple things, it'll even make those things stronger, you know, because they have a toggle between the two things. Nancy, are you oh, going to breed again? This is down. Nancy, are you going to breed again soon? I will not probably breed again soon. I'm not going to breed this mom again. I have no... Um, reason right now to bring any more lives into the world. Okay. And I will probably wait and I'll take my time and I will show this puppy that I kept and uh, maybe eventually breed her if she proves right. to be right. you know, good quality. And Nancy, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in the doghouse today. It's been fascinating. Not just, I'm sure my listeners were very interested, but I was also fascinated in the things that you had to say. Okay. So I thank you very much and, and I hope you have wonderful success and maybe you'll join us again in the doghouse. I'd love to. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Um, thank you, listeners. <laughs> For tuning in today, I hope that you have a great week. Next week, we're talking to an animal communicator. Don't forget to tune in because that's going to be a really interesting program. Uh, all right. See you later. Bye.